and it was super fascinating for me to sort of start to think a bit more strategically right start to think about it's great that we build all of these technologies i was a software engineer at the time right uh, but what do we do with it right well, how do you sort of you know bring that to life in a way that actually is usable by somebody and remember this was the time this was the early 2000s it was also the time when india in a sense was moving up the value chain in our mba classes a lot of things that, that was drilled into us was what are you doing to move india up the value chain right we are a great services economy we can continue to move there for me product development is always a passion right how can you sort of graduate not just yourself but you know the ecosystem in a way that builds products not just india for india but india for global Hi wherever you're listening to this i hope you're doing well welcome to tech conversations where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs cxos and investors i'm hari arakli and in this episode jyoti gera global general manager at ge healthcare for general imaging and primary care ultrasound talks about the future of precision medicine including in markets such as india where access and affordability are crucial factors jyoti also talks about her own career starting out as an engineer and rising to run a multi billion dollar engineering intensive business and why someone starting out today should equally care about the long run think of the macro trends in healthcare across the world and many of which are honestly applicable Uh, to many emerging markets including india right uh, what's very clear is that the volumes of patients are going up you know unprecedented volumes of patients that need healthcare right at the same time the staff providing healthcare healthcare providers uh, are more are less experienced shortages of staffing of healthcare providers is rampant everywhere in the world right so that's sort of a macro trend that is happening um and alongside that and especially in the post covid era uh, you will see that medicine is migrating very very quickly outside the walls of a hospital so really the place or the site of delivery is becoming less important than it used to be in the past right so outpatient imaging is increasingly the trend you will see that i mean look at the plethora of imaging centers in india right and you sort of see that happening and this has really pushed towards this whole concept of you know you need a very connected model of care and you see different types of models for connected care being built in different parts of the world um and underlying there is still a lot of waste in healthcare systems you know undoubtedly across the world more in some portions and less in the others but there is a theme of how can we create more efficiency in healthcare systems overall right um and while all of this is evolving i'd say emerging markets to a large extent still lack that adequate access to medical care so the whole notion that access to good quality high quality healthcare is important everywhere in the world we are still not where we need to be there right um so that's sort of the overall i'd say macro context and when you put that in terms of how g healthcare thinks about solving for these needs you know healthcare system efficiency and access is top of mind which is how can we create this full portfolio um efficient solutions cost effective solutions that provide that flexibility right like i said the care site is less important so it doesn't matter where care care is delivered we need these solutions to scale across and provide that flexibility while also increasing access in that model uh, and you will we will talk to a little bit of how technologies whether it is 
digitally enabled technologies, whether it is artificial intelligence, machine learning, telehealth, can actually solve some of these challenges, right? Um, and while we focus on efficiency and access, it's important that in the end, we are thinking about healthcare outcomes. So how can we make healthcare outcomes better for the individual and better for populations at large, right? So that's sort, sort of always top of mind for us. Um, and we do believe that, you know, digital technologies will be a key enabler here. We call it precision care. You know, in, in very simple terms, uh, think of precision care as uh, smart devices, drugs, focus on disease states, using digital AI solutions, bringing data together at the right place, at the right time, solving for these inefficiencies we talked about, improving care quality, and providing that personalized journey for every patient through their pathway, right? And that might be in terms of early diagnosis, in terms of screening for a potential disease state, in terms of how quickly the patient can get diagnosed, as well as treated and monitored in an efficient way with a good experience for the patient. And in the India context, um, generally we would know, of course, the, the usual suspects of uh, people paying out of pocket, things being, even if uh, affordable in some places, not very accessible. And of course, as you mentioned, very large populations. Um, beyond that, I mean, from your vantage point, what are some of the you know, really vexing problems that you've come across? Yeah, I think, you know... Um in general, access to care for a very large population is a challenge for multiple reasons, right? I mean, there is an there is an um, a tenet of the healthcare spend in the country, which in fact is increasing over the years, right? Even if you look at between the last five years, the spend has increased about one point eight times. So I think to an extent between public private public private partnerships, that spend is increasing. But that said, affordability is very key in the Indian market, and you sort of you know you alluded to it. I'm sure you heard this theme before. Uh, the fact that patients pay out of pocket, even while insurance coverage is increasing in the recent years, um, access to the latest technology, the most cost-effective technology, and and manufacturers like us really focusing on what how do you create that affordability by localizing for the needs of that market right i think that is super important um, and i think in india um, while there is an opportunity to leapfrog right when you think about we are really a digital first economy in many ways right and i, I think of my kids and how easily they think of their world through a digital lens healthcare is not there yet it's getting there, but it's not there yet. And I do think in India, that's a unique opportunity for us to leapfrog somehow, because one of the barriers when you think about providing outcomes at scale, or providing this value uh, to patients, um, is that you want to be able to A, catch diseases early on, right? Especially when you have a large population and you know that the later you find diseases, the more expensive it is. Just from a healthcare economic standpoint, it is expensive uh, and the outcomes are worse the later you find something. So you do want in this entire continuum, you do want to move more towards preventive medicine. You want to move more towards this notion of medicine 3.0, which is can you, especially for chronic diseases, can you catch them early on? Can you prevent them, right? And I think that's where there is there are barriers today, whether that is education happening at the patient level, at the population level, uh, in the education across the country, the amount of healthcare professionals we need, the skills we need, the workforce we need to push medicine in that area, I think is a barrier. Uh, the other barrier is likely, you know, in any well-developed, well-connected model of care, you need a primary care setup, you need a rural setup that connects back into secondary tertiary care seamlessly, 
right? And in fact, there are a lot of strides happening even within India to sort of, you know, cater to this need because the more you can connect primary healthcare to tertiary healthcare, bringing patients where they need care at the right place at the right time, the more efficient your entire healthcare system is, right? Uh, so to that extent, I think, you know, when you think about initiatives by the Indian government to promote uh, adoption of digital health, they're they're exactly thinking about it in these term in these barriers right they're sort of saying how can we create a digital infrastructure how can we sort of have the seamless data exchange right how can we have electronic health records for all our population and how can we bring in telemedicine and virtual care uh, at home care to accelerate some of those trends that are happening globally as well um I mean, 5G is an example, right? When you think about India's advances in telecom, why wouldn't we sort of take everything happening there, bring that back to healthcare and enabling this connected, integrated model of precision medicine and care, right? Um, so I'm very optimistic. Yeah, I mean, on the point of uh, barriers uh, to adoption, from a business perspective, how do you see, that, see this? I mean, do you see doctors, surgeons, uh, hospital administrators, being open to adopting new technology in general. Yeah, I'd say, you know, first a couple of comments from what I hear from a global perspective, and then we can land that in India, right? Um, All our innovations are really rooted towards, can we solve these fundamental customer problems? And I think that is what resonates, whether it is with physicians or with clinicians or healthcare administrators, if you can provide a solution to shortages of physicians. If you can provide a solution where you reduce the burdens of clinicians so that, you know, what they love doing, clinicians love to serve patients. They want to spend more time with the patient, more time with the patients as opposed to with devices or with filling out forms, right? So if your technology essentially enables that shift to happen, we have found a lot of acceptance to what we bring to market, right? And since we sort of build our entire R&D engine, our innovation engine is customer first in its approach, you know, in general, we found a lot of acceptance in these areas. Um, I'd say, you know, for for India, uh, it's an interesting market because the expectations are super high, right? Nobody will buy technology for the sake of technology, even more so compared to the rest of the world, right? Uh, So the economics have to work out. The unit economics have to work out, which is why the whole axis of, you know, affordability is important and it has to be localized to the needs of the market. That's when you see adoption to technology. And what I mean by that is you think about the volume of patients coming into any healthcare enterprise in India. It's like 5x, 6x times compared to probably the next market we have, right? And in this scope, what they're sort of saying is, okay, I have to deal with so many patients. If you're going to give me something that increases the time it takes to for example, perform a scan, it doesn't help me. Whereas if you can cut my scan time by 20%, I can see so many more patients, right? So if you can bring your value proposition, both in terms of how does it help cater to that larger population, how does it make it more affordable, increase access, and actually really impact clinical outcome, the barrier to doing that is fairly high in India, right? And we have you know, many of our key opinion leaders sort of practice highest end medicine in India, right? These these are people that are sort of renowned in the global context, if you will. Uh, and, and when they see the value, they adopt that value, we see that ripple effect coming across the country. Okay. Can you give us a sense of what's kind of the general state of precision care today? You know, I'd say that improving patient outcomes, um, identifying diseases earlier on 
with this digital enablement has started it is here to stay and it is sort of the fundamental tenet uh, how of how we think about precision care right um and this this care which we we like to call it as care which is designed designed around people not around the place right so this integration of a digitally first healthcare delivery model sending patients to the appropriate place where they first need to get care is here to stay and i think it's sort of moving really quickly right uh, and then i'd say the other area which is moving fairly quickly for precision health is building an entire care ecosystem okay and this could be integrated health covering the entire patient continuum whether it is monitoring patients at home whether it is even in some cases having icus in the home right um and i'd say the the other leg to precision care which is you hear a lot about the concept of health span these days right i mean it's not just that people want the right lifespan we need the right health span so how do you age in a healthy manner and the way you can do that honestly is by this focus on predictive care preventative care personalized care and and that is going to come to fruition only if we can we can build evidence around it right so if you need to provide this personalized care for every patient along their unique pathway you need to base it on evidence and that's where i'd say a lot of efforts are going from companies like g healthcare by healthcare professionals across the world by researchers and scientists uh, across the world uh, and this concept of you know can we bring together Uh, therapy diagnostics imaging biomarkers the genetic makeup of an individual health data coming from that particular individual and use all of this to create those insights right and the idea is create that longitudinal data okay for a patient beginning to end and layer that with analytics layer that with ai right and that is a game changer because that's how you sort of achieve that personalized care pathway for every individual I do think that I understand what you're trying to do a little bit more than when I came into this conversation. Um I get that of course you would want to uh, sell your technology and your solutions. Um that said, uh, what's the approach to working with uh, startups in India? I, um, you know with with India in fact we've got a fairly robust um ecosystem uh, that we under the Edison brand uh, where we invite startups um to come work with us you know use some of the tools the technologies that we have uh, to solve real problems for the country right so there are multiple events that we do we've got a program where startups can come and sign up with us uh, and then the idea for us is honestly we need choices we need the best brains solving the best problems right uh, so to that extent we we truly believe we can go at this alone right so we have third party programs we have partnership programs we have uh, startup crowdsourcing events what have you that enable all of this to happen and then because we are the domain experts to an extent right on the technology we then use our extensive network of key opinion leaders right we work with clinicians everywhere in the world because there is technology there is vetting out the use cases in a real clinical world setting in a real setting with a patient so we are able to marry that together right bring bring in maybe choices of technology from various third parties from startups vet that out with really the applicability in the real world setting uh enable using our tools uh, to go faster if we believe an idea should be taken to market to to go faster with it so i think we are in a very very good position uh, to provide that ecosystem um, and and i think the best is yet to come and i want to take you back to something you alluded to earlier on about how care has expanded so much outside the walls of the hospital so 
what is the approach at ge in terms of how you want to tap into all these trends um you know i think it sort of starts with when you think of care going in various sites outside the hospital right these are now large enterprises or integrated delivery networks for lack of a better word right um and what they are really asking us for is look we want standardization we want consistency what that means is that no matter where a patient comes in you know into a network of care they need to be able to have the same level of care delivered to them right uh, and so there is a huge role that technology can play in this whole what we call as deliver standard and consistent care across a broad network right uh, and sometimes what happens honestly is that um, technology is dependent on operators i mean especially with ultrasound we have a dependency on how experienced the operator is right uh, and sometimes there is differences in the types of let's say imaging devices that are used in various sites of care so there is inherently a lot of variability and in, inconsistent adherence to protocols if you will right so we have a lot of effort that goes on on in the one hand we want to homogenize quality across a broad variety of caregivers um so we think of smart devices and how we can connect these devices across departments across an entire enterprise and use the data that's coming across of these connected devices to help provide these insights and for clinicians to deliver better value now that could very well be tomorrow you think about you mentioned patches right uh, you think about delivery at home and there is like remote monitoring at home there is early you know detection at home right there is no reason why that connected care ecosystem doesn't span back to the home getting data from all of these technologies to feed back in okay uh, and that ecosystem is growing very rapidly the activity of some of the devices that are used at home is getting better and better and better right and the fact that they are always connected is another data insight to take back into the healthcare system uh, and an example might be uh, pregnancy monitoring at home right we don't do that in india in some portions of the world we partnered uh, one of our partners does that where we are able to sort of have monitoring of high risk women at home and that data is cloud enabled it goes back to the cloud where you can have an experienced healthcare professional sort of triage and say okay do you need to go to the hospital or does everything look okay right i mean that's a very innovative model of care so i'd say as more and more technologies develop today some of them may be low acuity at home but over time they're going to get better and better to be able to connect back into the high acuity clinical devices that you see in the rest of the care system you would be interacting a lot with uh, r&d centers universities and so on uh, so the cutting edge work where you know being done in schools across the world um, does the technology exist today to put uh, a handheld ultrasound feature in a smartphone um you know with our b scanner handheld device uh, that's pretty much what we are doing you know and when you look at the logic system which is our premium ultrasound device uh what it could do i'd say even 10 years ago 15 years ago uh our smartphone enabled v scan handheld device today has the compute power the intelligence to be able to do some of that right so you can see this rapid the miniaturization is here to stay you know whether it is miniaturization of the sensors which is the probes that make contact with the human body in the case of ultrasound to send sound waves in right the acuity of those sensors uh, the ability for us to process image data that much faster uh, and also the ability to use ai 
essentially to make our imaging better and better and better. You know, some of those technologies are in the works, some of them are in the market. Uh, and I would say it's very much a reality, you know, to expect that we have a smartphone connected to a handheld device, uh, a wireless handheld device for ultrasound is in the market today, right? Uh, so I'd say, again, a lot more to come. And think about the power and the outcomes that something like this can deliver, right? You have an, in, in an emergency care setup, in an ambulance setup, in an ICU setup, right? You can't necessarily have the time to wheel the patient from an emergency room to a radiology imaging center to get the scan of an abdomen, right? If the patient is in imminent risk of shock, you don't have the time to do that. What you could do is take out your smartphone or your iPad, connect up the VSCAN air to it and do a very quick, fast exam of ultrasound to say, hey, is there free fluid in the body to triage and say what, what might be wrong? You didn't have the ability to do that, I'd say, even 15 years ago, 10 years ago, right? Uh, so it's truly mind-boggling what the capabilities when you think about miniaturization, just more advanced image quality, better processing, more GPUs, an AI layer to train and get our images to be better. And more importantly, I'd say, you know, even more than the imaging capability, the fact that some of our AI today can guide users to scan even when they don't have a lot of experience, right? Because the, the more you can recruit less experienced users and teach them along the way, education is key, right? So can you use AI as a scan guidance tool to essentially tell the user, okay, this is the way you position the ultrasound probe or you need to change your angle in a certain way, or, okay, this is the image you're looking at. This is likely what you're looking at. At some stage, even enable clinical decision support to say this is normal or this is abnormal, or, you know, what is the next step? Add that confidence. So the possibilities, I think, are immense in what we can do here. Um, I know it's, it's, it's a very long sort of 20 plus years, but uh, anything that stands out in terms of Going from an engineering role, which you said you started with, to a place where you have the sort of position to make, uh, you know, important and interesting business decisions uh, for the business, you know, for a large portion of the business, which also decides what kind of tech uh, is deployed and so on. What's that experience been like? Well, it's been fantastic, I must say. You know, it's just... Um I have to say that graduating out of engineering school, um, I was the quintessential nerd, right? All I wanted to do was sit in a lab and write software. That was sort of my uh, mission and my purpose for life. I think, honestly, the changing moment for me uh, came in IM Bangalore. I did my MBA from there. And it was super fascinating for me to sort of start to think a bit more strategically, right? Start to think about, it's great that we build all of, these technologies. I was a software engineer at the time, right? Uh, but what do we do with it, right? Well, how do you sort of, you know, bring that to life in a way that actually is usable by somebody? And remember, this was the time, this was the early 2000s. It was also the time when India, in a sense, was moving up the value chain. In our MBA classes, a lot of things that, that was drilled into us was, what are you doing to move India up the value chain, right? We are a great services economy. We can continue to move over there. Uh, for me, product development is always a passion, right? How can you sort of graduate, not just yourself, but, you know, the ecosystem in a way that builds products, not just India for India, but India for global. So I think that was a bit of the turning point 
for me to say, I think I want to do more than engineering. And G Healthcare was the perfect spot for me to experiment with myself. You know, I spent the first five years or so uh, leading engineering for uh, the interventional cardiology modality. I expressed an interest to do product management where I thought I'd get that ability to make product decisions of which markets to go to what types of products, who the users are uh, in a small way, right? And I think G-Healthcare sort of at the time and even today has that ability for people to move around, you know, just see the world through your own lens, experiment, take risks. If you fail, it's okay, but take the risk. Uh, And I think that was sort of, you know, little by little, one step by one step, taking those risks, I think really um, helped a lot. Lots of mentors and coaches. I think this is also a sort of environment in which we are truly in the global world. I have never felt limited in any which way, no matter what I wanted to do, in which country, in which modality, in which product line, uh, to take on new projects and experiment. Um, I'd say there was a phase in G-Healthcare where we had realized that access and affordability is so key. And if we don't change it with emerging markets in mind, you know, we could have a very good market share position in the developed world, but it wouldn't be enough, right? Uh, And I think that was the most exciting phase of my career as well, where we were really looking at, you know, how can we help healthcare systems provide better care? And again, not just the technology side of it. Uh, And growing up from there to lead like larger and larger PNLs, and now obviously with ultrasound and radiology being a very large PNL, the teams are fantastic. You learn from the teams every single day. The depth of expertise, I'd say, look, you you say I'm 20 plus years. I mean, most of my team members have spent either that or more, right, in in the domain, in the technology, with our customers. Uh, So I think the learning experience just comes from just that invaluable talent you have in the company, talent that is just willing to learn, teach each, you know, and also challenge ourselves when something doesn't work. Our customers are very demanding, don't get me wrong, right? Everything is not hunky-dory. But I think that ability to say, yes, I made a mistake, maybe we pivot and do something else, you have the license to do it. I think that's kept me going, and I've really enjoyed that journey and that experience. Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of bit of a harsh reality, isn't it? If you don't find business viability for a technology, no matter how good it is, it's not going to impact large numbers of lives. And and I suppose in the world of business, people who can successfully straddle kind of keeping one eye always on the commercial viability of something and marry, marry that to a good technology are the ones who kind of deliver change. On a personal level, what got you interested in tech? I mean, as a uh, schoolgirl, were you always interested in math and STEM and so on? <laughs> For the Indian audience out here, I would say that, you know, my dad was in the Indian Air Force. Uh, he had his biggest dream in life was all four of us, we are four siblings, would graduate out of engineering school. Right. So he this was, you know, the late 70s in the Indian economy. So I think you recognize what I'm saying. Uh, and so I didn't think twice about it. It wasn't something that I, I didn't overthink it, to be simple. Uh, and I went into engineering school because he was like, oh, I'd love for you to go to engineering school. But once I got there, I graduated from Bitspilani. I realized I was lucky because I fell in love with engineering. It was just something I, I realized that this is outstanding. It, it appealed to the rational side of my brain just sort of saying, I really love it. And I came out of school with this whole passion for engineering. And I am, I would say, just augmented that entire passion with doing something that makes sense, uh, but may do it in a viable fashion, you know, actually make a difference for the world while you're doing it. So in that sense, it was the best of both worlds. 
straight out of uh, engineering school, did you start your career with GE or did you work at another company? I worked with, I, I got picked out of school. I worked with Hewlett Packard for like, I don't know, three years, maybe two and a half years, actually. Uh, I started as a software engineer there. Um, and then I went to a startup for another year. Uh, yeah, I think I lasted about a year in the startup. And that was the time when I decided that I loved engineering. I wanted to go and get a management degree and I joined IAM. That was the turning point. You know, around the time I was finishing up my MBA, uh, G Health, I got a call from G Healthcare saying, hey, would you like to explore? And I said, okay, it's just an exploration, but I ended up spending 20 years there. So, If you were to start out today, would you consider being a founder of a deep tech healthcare company in India? Wow, that is a difficult question uh, to answer. Perhaps. You know, I, I can't be sure, perhaps. And there is joy and fulfillment to be found either ways. On the one hand, I would say that the environment has never been better. You know, if if you have the right background in the domain, and for people like us who've sort of seen a lot of things that are happening globally, to come back and do something like that in India, I think it's a fantastic opportunity. Uh, on the other hand, I will also tell you that being a part of G Healthcare has been just so fulfilling for the scale you can deliver at. It is unprecedented, right? Whether you're talking about low and middle income countries, whether you're talking about developed markets, whether you're talking about enterprise customers, or you're talking about a mom and pop shop, you know, a clinic that's still asking you for the best imaging, even though they can't pay you half of what someone else can. I think straddling those needs, straddling those extremes um, is, is just so challenging for me that at the, at, at the moment, I'd say that's where my mindset is at. You know, can you make an impact? And you've heard our purpose in G Healthcare, create a world where healthcare has no limits. And today there are so many limits. I don't think in our lifetimes we can solve for all of those limits, right? But we can certainly try. And I think the job is sort of far from done, I must say. Hmm. I mean, along the way, you would have figured out either intentionally or by happenstance principles that helped you succeed when, you know, even when things were tough in that backdrop. Any advice for young people who are just starting out today on their careers in technology? How would you have them prepare? You know, I would say resilience is key. You have to be resilient. You have to stick it out. Uh, there will be the lows. There will be the highs. Um, and having the patience to learn from mistakes and try new things. Just say, just try new things. Take the risk. In my career, I've found that often we think the risk is higher than it actually is. You know, so just take it and figure out where that takes you. At the same time, have the humility to accept a mistake, to accept when something goes wrong. Um, that personally has taken me a long way. Uh, and you can't do any of this, honestly, without having the right support structure around you, whether it is, you know, for a woman, I would say, because I am fairly passionate about having women play a larger and larger role in technology, right? Um, for women, whether it be the home ecosystem or whether it's be the support ecosystem, ask for help. And I was surprised by how many people were willing to step in if only I asked, right? If I, if I acted like I knew everything, nobody would be there to help, right? But just sort of acknowledging, being humble about what you need, how someone can help you uh, has just, it, it, it's been fantastic. So that's what I'd say to the young people out there. Uh, what you got is a marathon. In my early years, I honestly sprinted it. 
I was in a hurry to get everywhere and nowhere, right? And I think over time I learned that it is truly a marathon. So it's not helpful to just burn yourself out in the early years. It's what you do need is resilience for the long run. If you truly want, be thoughtful, be intentional about that long run because there is a long run, right? That's it for this conversation. I hope you found it interesting. You can find all our podcasts at forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast app. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.